a new guest, a new friend uh, from Pro Football Focus. That's Eric Eager. Eric, I'm very excited to have you on. I got to ask because I'm curious. Are you an NBA fan or a politics guy? Have you been following either of those stories today? A little bit the latter. I mean, obviously, I pay attention to the NBA, but, uh, you know, there's only so many things you can be obsessed with, right? So yeah. uh, I, I normally uh, will we'll just sort of wait until the playoffs to watch those games. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's a four-team trade. I haven't wrapped my mind around it yet. So tomorrow, I promise, we'll do a, a much better breakdown of, of the madness in the NBA today. Uh, this is naturally a Packers show, um, and we've been talking plenty about this matchup with the Rams. And I actually, I brought this up last week because we were talking about potential matchups. We're killing time during the bye. And I said, I, I think the Rams might be a sneaky, tough matchup, right? They can rack, uh, rack up time of possession. They were second only to the Packers this year. They can get a lot of yards after the catch with both Cup and Woods. So they can attack the Packers underneath. They got a tough running game. And, and I think their defensive personnel and their defensive minded or their defensive coordinator who's progressive and smart, like the line is six and a half, but I like I think this is a tough matchup for the Packers. Am I right to be concerned or I'm taking like stupid pills? Am I worrying about my own team? Well, I, I think the market agrees with you. It opened at seven um, and, and people have grabbed that uh, immediately with the Rams. I think betting, you know, the betting markets really do gravitate towards defense. This time of year, and you're abs- you know when you talk about the Rams, they sort of build it differently than everybody else. They start with the coverage first, and then they they trust their uh, you know players uh, in, in the front seven to make plays without much of a scheme uh, to their help, and and that's worked. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's done such a great job neutralizing number one receivers, Darius Williams number two receivers, uh, and then obviously they let Donald uh, you know Leonard Floyd and some of the players up front do their thing. So it is a tough matchup from that perspective. I will say though, you know. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Rams, Jared Goff, even before breaking his thumb, was not playing very well. McVay was sort of scheming around him. You wonder, with the Packers on defense having Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, some really good players up front as well, how much are they going to be able to hide Jared Goff and his broken thumb on uh, uh, this weekend? Yeah, it's very odd because I'm talking about how the Rams scare me and I don't even bring up a quarterback, which is it's, it's impossible to do to talk about a, a playoff matchup and then not even bring up the quarterback but that's why the Rams are such an an interesting story I just figured or finished about 10 minutes Eric talking about home field advantage and why I think it's so much better playing outside in the postseason like I think playoff football is supposed to be outside which is why I'm so glad Josh Allen's in Buffalo and Mahomes is in Kansas City and we've been talking plenty about home field advantage and I know you're in data science and research and I wanted to ask you about home field advantage and the cold weather at Lambeau, we all talk about it as fans and kind of as, as laymen. It's it's a huge deal, and it's a huge advantage for the Packers, but I wanted to ask you from a perspective of predicting outcomes and setting expectations and doing what you do, what matters when it comes to playing at Lambeau and having home field advantage, and what's just kind of noise that fans talk about? Yeah, I mean, historically, home field advantage on the betting markets has been about two and a half points, and there have been some teams, for example, Minnesota, you'll give them an extra point. Uh, on the betting markets because of the crowd noise. The New Orleans is another one. Um, Green Bay, not so much for the crowd noise, but because of the uh, sort of, you know, staying in Appleton, driving an hour to Green Bay, um, you know, so on and so forth. This year, uh, the the betting markets have consistently downplayed home field advantage week to week to week. Um, And, you know, right now it's about half a point. So, you know, that's a really interesting storyline because now that we fast forward to the playoffs, one of the teams has a buy. One of the teams had, you know, when you go down to look at the New Orleans versus Tampa Bay game, I think the home field advantage is almost completely minimized in that game because the other quarterback, the road quarterback, Tom Brady, is going to be able to call all the checks. He's going to be able to do sort of all the things he wants to do at the line of scrimmage. 
probably less so in a game between the Rams and the Packers because uh, Jared Goff isn't that sort of brilliant, you know, in control of every aspect of the game type of quarterback. So I do think home field advantage exists in this game. Is it the full two and a half? I don't think so. I think it's probably more like one, one and a half. Um, but, you know, it, it will exist here. But that's been one of the really big mysteries of this season. And, you know, in our models, we, we pr- basically put it at about a point, um, which I think, is, you know, has trended to be the right thing. But, you know, it's one of the great mysteries. Home field advantage is, is something that we know exists, but we, we are very, very weary on what the cause is. Yeah, it's an interesting story, and and I don't know how it plays out this weekend or if the Packers advance. Obviously, Tennessee with the snow, we all talk about it because it's you know it looks different, and obviously the footing is different. But I don't know. The statistics don't bear it out. Like the last two years, home field advantage hasn't been as big of a deal. But week to week, you know that can change. Eric Eager, PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, you can find him on the PFF Forecast Pod with George Shahuri, and it's it's become one of my favorite podcasts after I think drawing the ire of a lot of Packer fans last year, which is kind of a funny turn. Uh, it's become something that I've listened to every week and it's, it's definitely an interesting perspective. I wanted to ask about Matt LaFleur because he has two 13 win seasons now and he's put this offense into place that has revived Aaron Rodgers and turned him into an in rhythm passer, which is what I think Packers fans have longed for. Like just take what is there, take what the defense gives you. And he's done that this year. He's done a lot of good things. Matt LaFleur, but I get a sense that everyone still isn't completely sold on him. And maybe maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But I guess I want to ask, what do you think is one thing that Matt LaFleur does really well that you really like and maybe one area that he still needs to improve in? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, people had reasons to be hesitant. I mean, LaFleur's offense in Tennessee wasn't particularly good the year that he was there. Um, Mariota had injuries. But, you know, there was a, some questions about the higher than last year. There were 13-3. and three. Um, but, you know, they had the point differential and a lot of the, you know, the metrics yep. associated with more like a, a 9 or 10 win team. This season, they've been better. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league and very much deserves to be so. Um, but, you know, they've also only beaten two teams with a winning record this year. So there are still question marks about sort of the strength of their, of their team. Uh, you know, they, they don't get to pick their schedule, though, right? So they've done a good job of pounding the teams that aren't particularly good. Uh, you know, Rodgers in his final year with McCarthy not only led the NFL in throwaways, but he broke the record for the number of throwaways in our system that year. To your point now, it's sort of he's taking what the defense is giving him, um, and, you know, there aren't as many off-script plays, which I think is, you know, they're just, they're just so efficient offensively and that there's a good feather um, you know, sort of in his cap, Lafleur. To me, the the negative is really, you know, what might have spurned on this MVP season with Rodgers, what which is, you know, their draft this past year, and so much as how much Lafleur has, uh, you know, control over it. This might be the game against the LA Rams, where having taken a wide receiver when the crop was bountiful in April, it might come back to get him. If, if Devontae Adams is neutralized by Jalen Ramsey. Where does Rodgers go? And I know there's been inconsistencies, you know, basically with the Alan Lazards and with the Equiminia St. Browns and the uh, Marquez Valdez Scantlings that have that have plagued this team at times, and that you know, obviously not consistently enough to make them poor, um, but something that might come up here, and that to me would be the one thing where I ding Lafleur a little bit. Maybe he doesn't value the receiver position as much as he might he should. Well, you led me perfectly into my next question. I want to talk about the importance of wide receivers because it's something that I've seen you have emphasized and a lot of smart football people have been emphasizing where maybe two or three years ago, like what sticks in my mind is when Colin Cowherd called wide receivers the icing on the cake, right? That the last little detail kind of of maybe a luxury. And I think we've 
really at least smart football fans have started to realize that wide receivers can, especially ones that get open right away, make life easier on the quarterback, make life easier on the offensive line and the play caller. And I, I know you mentioned a couple of those Packers wide receivers. I, I guess I want to get your thoughts on everybody not Devontae Adams, because maybe he's minimized a little bit this weekend. And, you know, what could an addition of another wide receiver do for the Packers, a rookie or a free agent? You, you know, what kind of benefit would that extra weapon, you know, serve for this Green Bay team? Well, it, it's just a downstream effect, right? You, you talked about Buffalo. I think one of the reasons Buffalo is great is that they got a guy in Stephon Diggs who can get open in less than two and a half seconds. And then they paired him with Cole Beasley and John Brown from the previous year and Gabriel Davis in the draft. And it's like, I, you know, uh, you know, the average fan doesn't know who Buffalo's left tackle is, but it really doesn't matter because they win so early that Josh Allen has the opportunity to throw. And, you know, Diggs did this in Minnesota with Case Keenum, but the, the sort of um, margin for error is so much small, you know, so much bigger, I guess, when your guy is wide open. And, and, that, and that's been able to work for guys like Mahomes, obviously, in Kansas City with Hill and Kelsey, uh, Buffalo as well, and even – um, I think this is more scheme-based than wide receiver-based, but Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And so on Sunday, no David Bakhtiari, Leonard Floyd on that side, Aaron Donald in the middle. Mm-hmm. If if Ramsey can beat Adams in the first two and a half seconds, then what Rodgers has to do is hold the ball a little bit longer. And sacks we would generally attribute to the defensive line in their battle against the offensive line. We're now attributing to the coverage, which I think you know makes a lot of sense. If those receivers for Green Bay can get open early in their rep- repetition against the Rams, you know, sort of secondary players, then maybe the loss of Bakhtiari doesn't matter as much, right? So to me, I think earning separation on the outside in football is the second most valuable trait you can go after after being accurate with the football as a quarterback. And we've seen it materialize. Almost all of these teams that are left in the playoffs have players who can separate from the defenders uh, on their route. Getting open immediately to start the route, a really, really valuable trait for wide receivers, and it's a trait that Devontae Adams talked about last week on the Chris Collinsworth pod uh, with Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman through PFF, and that's actually something we're going to check out later on in the show, I think at at 5.30. I'll show you some of that. Last question for you, Eric. Um, What's the expectation for Devontae Adams this weekend? Like This matchup reminds me of 2014 when the Packers had a regular season matchup with the Patriots. And it was one of the best regular season games I've ever watched. Jordy Nelson versus Darrell Rivas. This is Jordy Nelson in his prime, right? And Jordy only had two catches that game. And I went back and looked. But one was this 45-yard touchdown right before half, right? Maybe one or two plays is all that's needed from Devontae Adams to make an impact so the Packers can win. What do the Packers realistically need to get from Devontae Adams, in your opinion, to be successful and to win this game? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that for a different reason in this game. I don't think the the Rams will score much more than a touchdown or two, so it really will come down to the Packers probably putting 20 points on the board. And in that sense, you know, if the other receivers can sort of produce the way that they have this year, Adams probably doesn't need his 10 catches for 170 yards. He's probably fine with five for 70 or so. And and while Ramsey, I think, is, is more suited to sort of beat up on the Terrell Owens type of receivers like D.K. Metcalf, um, you know, Devontae Adams, who's really more of like a, you know, he, he's a, a better tactician, I think, than some of those, some of the more athletic guys. Uh, he might not have as nearly as much success. I think he'll limit him a little bit more than every other cornerback, but not, he won't completely shut him down. And I think even that level of, of production will be enough for the Packers uh, to, to beat the LA Rams in this one. All right, Eric, I appreciate it, and you you have me feeling a little bit more optimistic. If seven points is all that the Rams can muster, I feel a little bit better. Two things I want to share with you before I let you go. Number one, I need to thank you 
uh, because I, I put a little bit of money and some fantasy stock into Tyler Boyd this year, uh, and that worked out very well for me, and that was through your advice. So I have to thank you for that. Um, I have a little bit of extra cash to spend because of my Tyler Boyd uh, grabbing in fantasy. And I also wanted to share, because you used to be here at UW-Lacrosse, and I never had you in math. The opposite of a math guy. I took one algebra class, and I got in and out as fast as I could. I actually took a Spanish class that was four days a week. There was no English spoken. I did that to avoid a math class. But I had a friend <laughs> who had you in statistics, right? And, and he was in my major, so it was kind of a fringe class for him as well. And I remember getting lunch with him, like this is in the middle of the week. And I said, oh, how are your classes? He's like, yeah, I have I have this, this stats professor who's really into football. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And he said, yeah, I came in and I told him I was all excited to share with him. That I, that I was going to see this game at Lambeau Field and the atmosphere was going to be cool and, and he was so excited to bring it up. And then he said that you immediately dismissed him and said, well, if you've never been to Arrowhead, then I don't even want to hear it because Arrowhead is that much better. <laughs> and it's that memory that has always stuck with me. And now, of course, when I listen to your podcast and you're, you know, Mr. Chiefs guy, I just thought that was hilarious and I, I have not forgot that. That was probably five or six years ago. Well, that's great. I mean, I really love my time at UWL. I, you know, Grant, if you're... I do... I don't know. There's so many places I would go if I could come back to lacrosse right now. But I hope you use that money at one of the great establishments uh, in the city because I, I very much enjoyed my time there. I, I came back during the pandemic, but, of course, I couldn't see anybody because, you, you know, you, you uh, social distancing and everything. So I hope to come mm-hmm. back uh, at some point. But I, I uh, think upon my six years at, at, at UWL and lacrosse uh, generally very fondly. Yeah, it's a cool place. And when I said you won me some cash off the Tyler Boyd, I almost said bar cash, but I'm like, well, we're in a pandemic. I haven't really used it for the bar. That's normally what I'd use it for. But yeah, if you're ever back in lacrosse, you know, let me know. We'd love to have you either on our station or or I'll just buy you a drink, hopefully, when this is all said and done. Eric, good luck on your bets. I appreciate your work as always. You've made us all smarter football fans and, and be well. Hope to talk again soon. Thanks for having me on.